This is a quick warning to inform the listener that this particular episode, although philosophical and political, deals with some explicit language. Today, what is the relationship between Harry Frankfurt's On Bullshit and Post-Truth? And what do we actually mean when we say bullshit philosophically? I'm Kieran O'Meara, and you're listening to The Pollock Podcast. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. Right. And then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs. So it'll be interesting to check that so that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds, it sounds interesting to me. And so we'll see. But the whole concept of the light, the way it kills it in one minute, that's, uh, that's pretty powerful. That's bullshit, bro. <laughs> Something I say quite a lot. But what do we mean when we call something out as being bullshit? In his seminal essay, On Bullshit, Harry Frankfurt discusses the essential nature of what bullshit actually entails, and what is its relationship to truth. In today's episode, what we're going to do is I'm going to go through some of my notes on Harry Frankfurt's On Bullshit, and discuss how that interrelates to our discourse of post-truth. Don't forget, by the way, before I begin, to go to social media and find Pollitt on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and like, share, subscribe, and follow. Okay, let's roll. One of the works I seem to return to this month was On Bullshit, by the philosopher Harry Jing Frankfurt. Indeed, it's probably a topic that some people would say I return to quite a lot. (laughs) In a so-called post-truth world, perhaps, where myths and disinformation roam wild, my inclination is that being able to distinguish between A, the political liar, B, the political troll, and C, the political bullshit artist, is a matter of instrumental and conceptual understanding. All three are actually particularly difficult to differentiate. This being said, perhaps Frankfurt can help us in this regard, assisting us in teasing out how we can understand what makes the bullshit artists themselves, by clarifying what the mechanization and operationalization of bullshit actually implies. Frankfurt conceptualizes bullshit in an essentialist manner, contemplating that it is a lack of connection to a concern with truth, an indifference to how things really are. That he sees, or that he regards, as the essence of bullshit. Thus, the essence of bullshit is not that a bullshit statement is necessarily false, but that it is phony. Interestingly, in the world of Kellyanne Conway's alternative facts, 
in relation to her statements concerning Trump's inauguration, Frankfurt contends that BS doesn't have to be untrue as such, but rather that the purpose of speech is not to, or bullshit speech, is not to utter truth, but to utter rather some mode of statement that holds a function other than that of truth-telling. A broken clock is can, can be correct twice a day. So he says, quote, This points to a similar and fundamental aspect of the essential nature of bullshit. Although it is produced without concern for the truth, it need not be false. The bullshitter is faking things, but this does not mean that he is necessarily getting them wrong. End quote. So, if we argue, like, for example, Lee McIntyre, that we've entered a post-truth world and that such a phenomenon was sleepwalked into, we can use Frankfurt's understanding um, to display how such a sleepwalk occurred, right? Frankfurt indeed argues prior to such an era, this is um, uh, from the last century, um, Frankfurt talks about this, I think it's from the 1980s, my copy is from 2005, but even so, like, he argues prior to such a post-truth era, how such a sleepwalk can take place, and this takes place through a certain tolerance of bullshit. Frankfurt states, quote, the consequences of being caught are generally less severe for the bullshitter than for the liar. In fact, People do tend to be more tolerant of bullshit than of lies, perhaps because we are less inclined to take the former as a personal affront, end quote. Thus, perhaps post-truth indicates a political era that has become voided of its personable nature in the way that perhaps business is. This would be an extension of the argument, perhaps, that Donald Trump is the apotheosis of the corporatization process of the White House and the US political system. By that I mean that the White House for the last, or the, the position of president and in the American political system over the course of the last 60 years or so has slowly become more and more um, tied to corporate interests and uh, uh, restructuring like a corporate organization. And so perhaps the um, uh, the election of Donald Trump to the executive position, the head of that organization, is just the, as I say, the latest um, uh, part or the latest era in the process of that corporatization of the White House, of that mechanizing or moving the White House to a more corporate entity or towards a, a, a more corporate organizational structure. Something that distinguishes Frankfurt's grasp of bullshit from that of simple lies is that, quote, the liar is inescapably concerned with truth values. Um, in order to invent a lie at all, he must think he knows what is true, end quote. I think this uniquely summarizes the connection between bullshit and post-truth, i.e. they both share a lack of concern for truth. A person who undertakes to bullshit their way through life has much more freedom. Their focus is panoramic rather than particular. They do not limit themselves to inserting a certain falsehood at a specific point, 
and thus are not constrained by the truths surrounding that point or even intersecting it. They are prepared, so far as required, to fake all context as well. I think that's particularly interesting. This freedom from constraints um, to which the liar must submit doesn't necessarily mean, of course, that their task is easier than the task of the liar. But rather the mode of creativity upon which it relies is less analytical and less deliberative than that which is mobilised in lying. It is more expensive and independent, bullshitting as opposed to liar, lying, with more spacious opportunities for improvisation, colour and imaginative play. In this regard, it's less a matter of craft, which it is for the liar to have to find a truth or at least know the truth around them to then selectively avoid it, as opposed to the art of bullshit, which is the art of foliness. Perhaps in this way, we could say that Donald Trump less is a liar, but more <laughs> more a, a, a da Vinci in the art of dealing in bullshit. <laughs> Thus, consequently, bullshitting is intimately connected to the creativity of being unanchored by a concern for truth, as opposed to the rigorous demands that are tied to successfully lying. Quote, the bullshitter may not deceive us, or even intend to do so, either about the facts or about what they take the facts to be. End quote. The purpose of bullshit, subsequently, is to attempt to successively deceive us about their will or enterprise. That doesn't necessarily mean that the bullshitter doesn't believe that they are doing the right thing or that they're doing the, the engaging in the correct kind of action for the nation or the electorate or the populace as a whole. It simply means that their art is deception of their will. Their only indispensably distinctive characteristic is that in a certain way the bullshit artist misrepresents what they are up to, and perhaps this is the quality that allows us to question Trump and the illiberal democratic populists as bullshitters, as they're often rather sincere as to their intentions, for example, to build the wall. This was not a metaphorical utterance, but a literal policy suggestion. Okay, so I, I think that perhaps that's something that distinguishes bullshit artists in regards to illiberal, illiberal democratic populists and just plain liars, which is that illiberal democratic populists were always very upfront about their policy suggestions. It just so happens that it's more of the context or it's more of the rhetoric around that policy suggestion that is related to bullshit, that is related to that um, a disregard for truth, simply because a, a particular kind of policy was willed or wanted. Ultimately, my favourite quote from Frankfurt's book, or his essay on bullshit, was that, quote, It is impossible for someone to lie unless he thinks he knows the truth. Producing, producing bullshit requires no such conviction. 
the bullshitter's eye is not on the facts at all, as the eyes of the honest man and of the liar are, except in so far as they may be pertinent to his interest in getting away with what he sees, what he says. He does not care whether the things he says describe reality correctly. He just picks them out or makes them up to suit his purpose, end quote. And I think this is particularly what distinguishes the liar and the bullshitter, is that the liar knows that what they're saying is not correct. The bullshitter doesn't care. It's all for a particular ends. And in that way, perhaps, this is one of the reasons why we see illiberal Democrats, or simply just illiberal populists, as perhaps engaging with a more strongman attitude, something which is perhaps more uh, uh, closer to sort of a domestic realpolitik, because lying is for simply the purpose of getting, quote, getting the job done, um, and that being however they define it, or that being to whatever ends they think is particularly necessitous for more than likely the national grouping or the electorate. And in that regards, I think that bullshit artists aren't necessarily limited to illiberal right-wing populists, but can take place on a number of levels, can take place on a number of instances. For example, I think there are a lot of um, a, a particular, I don't want to say extreme left-wing thinkers, but you can have extreme left-wing thinkers, um, uh, not many in the Western Academy, I will say, but will distort all evidence entirely before them to present a particular perspective that's connected to a will to power. Okay, for example, you might get this with certain Chinese professors that are connected to the Communist Party, simply because the truth may not necessarily be comfortable in a political way, therefore it has to be adapted. So what I want to make sure listeners understand is that I don't, although I've been using the example of Trump and illiberal populism, don't necessarily take that as being the exclusive realm of the political bullshit artist. Interestingly, Frankfurt claims that the bullshitter ignores these demands altogether. The bullshitter doesn't reject the authority of truth as the liar does, as oppose himself to it. He pays no attention to truth at all. By virtue of this, bullshit is actually a greater enemy of the truth than lies are. However, there is a contradiction here, no? As Frankfurt already exclaimed that bullshit can overlap with the truth as coincidence. In this case, the question I would like to ask, and I would ask Frankfurt if he was here, is, is a coincidental truth uttered by a bullshit artist still a truth, or the manifestation of bullshit still? In the same way that I know some listeners will be familiar of um, uh, the distinction that um, uh, the, the philosopher Slavoj Žižek often makes um, uh, from the Notchka about uh, the distinction that we must ascertain and that humans are able to ascertain in a very dialectical way, in a very Lacanian way, between uh, uh, coffee without cream and coffee without milk. Is there a distinction between a truth that is a coincidental truth uttered by a bullshitter? Or is that still a bullshit truth because of the lack of concern for truth itself. 
yeah, are they, although the utterance might be the same, is it different? Is it a distinct object? It's a good question, I think. Quote, Bullshit is unavoidable whenever circumstances require someone to talk without knowing what he is talking about. End quote. This is something that Frankfurt also talks about. Um, one of the things that I immediately thought about when I heard this, um, that bullshit is unavoidable whenever circumstances require someone to talk without knowing what he's talking about, was Plato. Um, is this why Plato perhaps argues for philosopher kings? And maybe there is a relationship here between doxa um, and bullshit, doxa being this kind of like broader public opinion. Um, uh, is there a capability of the two overlapping or two perhaps um, uh, uh, coming into contact with one another? And maybe that's something that Plato talks about. I know that one of the um, uh, most famous um, uh, 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 discourses or one of the most famous quotations that Plato has, I'm ad-libbing on this one, um, uh, uh, as far as I can recall it, is something along the lines of um, uh, 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 the fool speaks when they don't know what to say. Um, uh, uh, and the wise listen, something along these lines. Maybe this connects wider to the idea of public opinion, doxa, ideology, bullshit, and the reason why Plato argues in favour of philosopher kings, so that bullshit itself is avoidable. Perhaps the very fact that we have a broader democracy in a platonic way, in a platonic conservative manner, the very fact that we have a democracy um, in a modern sense in a liberal way, um, uh, makes bullshit unavoidable, as we don't have um, uh, the philosopher kings to determine what truth is and is not. And lastly, Frankfurt states that, quote, the contemporary proliferation of bullshit also has deeper sources in various forms of scepticism, which deny that we can have any reliable access to objective reality. I generally under the assumption that when he talks about these various forms of uh, scepticism he's talking about a broader kind of postmodern thinking be that from the likes of Nietzsche, Foucault, um, Lyotard or um, uh, people like Rorty in America quote and which therefore reject the possibility of knowing how things truly are these anti-realist doctrines undermine confidence in the value of disinterested efforts to determine what is true and what is false, and even in the intelligibility of the notion of objective inquiry, end quote. I think that's particularly interesting in relation to a lot of questions about the extent to which postmodernism as a framework has been able to um, uh, uh, lay or has laid the foundation for post-truth simply in the way that postmodernism's core um, uh, is, as I say, as Leotard says, the end to grand narratives as a whole, but broadly in a Rortian way, um, this kind of um, uh, 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 resting of thinking on a plane of contingency, that all things are linguistically contingent in themselves, or in a Foucauldian way in terms of knowledge and um, uh, discourses around knowledge and how discourses shift. Um, perhaps this has allowed a space for post-truth to take place. Um, but in a political way, perhaps that's more interestingly connected to will to power, which is something that Nietzsche talks a lot about. There's a particular um, uh, discourse in the second part of uh, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, 
which Nietzsche discusses this as the will to knowledge as being, um, or uh, sorry, the will to truth as being connected to the will to power. But what we can see is like the equal and opposite or absorptive, perhaps, effects of postmodernism and anti-realism on agents and the proliferation as bullshit. And in this, perhaps, what we can understand is Trump as a non-postmodern postmodern thinker and the alt-right as a postmodern or as a non-postmodern postmodern right, perhaps. A good example of this, someone that talks about this, is Angela Nagel in her Kill All Normies, which is controversial but an excellent book to get one thinking about modern right-wing online politics, um, is this discussion that Nagel has of identitarianism um, as a kind of an inversion of identity politics. And identity politics has a number of roots in postmodernism, and as such, perhaps identitarianism would have inverted postmodern roots but still related to postmodernism itself or this we can even see with the alt-light something Nigel talks about um, uh, is how uh, uh, many of the alt-light what we we would consider to be Gramscians in a certain way so interestingly what we can see is that there is a connection that Frankfurt alludes to that perhaps we can use to talk about post-truth and indeed the political bullshit artist <laughs> So you've been listening to me, Kieran O'Meara, on the Pollock Podcast, chatting bullshit. (laughs) Or chatting about bullshit. One of the two, I can't remember. (laughs) Please remember to like, share, subscribe and follow. Remember to go and visit social media on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and a whole host of others. Uh, And as I say, remember to like, share, subscribe and follow. And if you haven't already done so, go visit the website. There you'll be able to find loads of content that doesn't become a podcast episode. And remember, when you're in the mood for a think, think pollet at www.thinkpollet.com. Thanks, guys. See you soon.